Welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. We're currently in a series titled, Mark, Stories of Jesus Christ. In this series, our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, leads us through the Gospel of Mark. We started in chapter 1, and the series will culminate on Easter Sunday morning, celebrating the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We hope you enjoy this incredible message today. Thank you for being a part of our church family. How are we doing today, church? Doing good? Yeah, give God a hand. He is worthy. Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome to all of our campuses, Garner, Sanford, Internet, television crowd, uh, folks listening in Columbia. Welcome one, welcome all. Glad you're here. Open up your Bibles to Mark 4, Mark chapter 6. What do you say we go and just jump right in today? Huh? Yeah, let's do that. Mark chapter 4 and chapter 6. And, and you've now heard at all of our campuses as well, you've now heard the readings of the Scripture. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you know that we started a series called Mark. And we're, we were in Mark chapter 1. And in Mark chapter 1, you remember the story. Jesus comes along the Sea of Galilee. He calls the disciples to follow him. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we talked about calling last week. And let me just go ahead and say this. If you weren't here last Sunday and you wrestle and you struggle with your calling in life, or you often wonder what is your ultimate capital P purpose, stop by the Resource Center and get that message because I unpacked that mysterious, profound element that we see running throughout Scripture, God's calling upon one's Life. Go get that today if you wrestle with that. And today, and you might recall, at the end of last week, Jesus, after he called him, what happened to Jesus? What happened? He got sent into the wilderness, remember? And he was in the wilderness for how many days? 40 days. And Satan tempted him. And Jesus would quote scripture at him. And we talked about that. And and now we get to Mark chapter 4. And if you go back and read between Mark 1 and Mark chapter 4, you see that Jesus actually starts to send them out. So he shows us last week, even after he steps into his ministry, he's baptized. The father says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus then heads out into the wilderness for some difficult times. Are you with me? Then in Mark chapter 4, right before this, he starts sending his disciples out, those that he has called... And you're going to see that they start to embark upon the same journey that he was embarking upon. And that is the reality that when we actually follow God, we often step into, might I say, dangerous waters. Challenging times. When I was a kid, um, born and raised in Sumter, South Carolina, my family is originally from Charleston, South Carolina. Any Charleston lovers in the house? Love me, Charleston, South Carolina, down in, in, in the coastal area. It's Mount Pleasant area. That's where my family was originally from. And so I was born and raised in Sumter. And so that was about two and a half hours to Charleston, South Carolina. And on a regular basis, we would get into that Monte Carlo that my family had. Remember the old Monte Carlo? We'd get into the Monte Carlo and uh, mom would be shotgunned. Dad would be driving, and the three boys, we would be in the back of the Monte Carlo. And uh, we, we can, I can remember saying, and my boys would say, my brothers would say regularly, we'd say, Hey, 
Are we there yet? I don't know what it is about that generational curse that passes down through our families, but we would ask over and over and over, Hey, Dad, are we there yet? And I think back on it, I was thinking just this week, and I realized that, that many times my dad wouldn't answer. I thought he didn't answer because maybe he didn't hear me. I think he wasn't answering because he was afraid of what he would say or do. Because you see, now I've got my own kids. And when we go on road trips, that generational curse has just been passed down. And now my kids say, hey, dad, are we there yet? And I might answer a time or two, but on about time four or five and six, what I really want to do is say, son, look around. You tell me, are we there yet? I got an idea, boy. When I get there, I'll throw this car in park. I'll open up the doors and you'll know we're there. That's what I really want to do. And on my good days, I don't do that. But on my bad days, I might do that. Right? And so are we there yet? And I was thinking back when I was a kid and I was asking my dad that. Listen, I wasn't really asking, are we there yet? I knew we weren't there yet. What I was really trying to say to my mom and my dad is, hey, I've done tic-tac-toe till I'm blue in the face. I've counted every punch bug I possibly can. And I'm bored. Are we there yet? And the question that I want to ask you today before we start to go into this mysterious text today is what do you do, church? What do you do when you are not where you used to be, thanks be to God, but you are not where God wants you to be? What do you do when you are not where you used to be, but you are not where God wants you to be? And in Mark chapter 6, verse 50, the Bible says this. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Look at this next word. Look at this next word. Then he climbed into the boat. For you skeptics and seekers out there and you're just trying to consider Christianity. Yeah, he climbed in the boat. Which means the Bible says he was walking on water. I know, it's hard to believe. He climbed into the boat and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Pastor Dave mentioned that. Their hearts were hardened and when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. Notice the two words that I have underlined. Then and when. Then and when. And part of the problem is that we want to figure out when is the then and the when. What do you do when you, when you know you're not where you used to be, church, but you're not where you need to be? 
And you read a scripture passage like this and, and you see a then and a when. And if you're anything like me, you want to say, God, when is the then and when is the when? And God says, then is the then and when is the when? Are you going to trust me in the midst of the storm? What do you do? Again, I keep asking this question for you to just let it settle in. What do you do, church, when you're not where you used to be? Thanks be to God. But you know, you know, sure, as you're sitting there today and you're sitting at any of our campuses, you know you're not where you used to be. But you know you're not where you need to be. Either what do you do? See, what I want to talk to you about today is the meantime. What about the meantime, church? What do you do when the then and the when doesn't make sense and the things you've been longing for and desiring in your life, they just don't seem to come? And God says then and when is when it's going to happen. And you want to throw your hands up and say, well, when is when? And when is then? What about the meantime? See, last week, guys, when Jesus got sent out in the wilderness, I didn't use this language, but that was the meantime. Jesus was sent out into the wilderness for 40 days. He, he was in the meantime. What do you do in the meantime? Because here's the deal. I want to let you know this. You already know this. We live in a culture that doesn't like to talk about the meantime. We live in an ESPN culture. Meaning, we, we live in a highlight culture. Just show me the highlights. We want to we hit the highlights of people's lives. And in, in reality, most of us aren't in the highlights all the time. Don't you wish life was nothing but highlights? Wouldn't that be great? But because we live in this highlight culture, what we talk about are the highlights and we don't seem to talk about the meantime. No one likes to talk about the meantime. Listen, guys, it happens even in the church. How you doing? How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing great. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Praise God. I want to say, I didn't ask you about praising God. I asked you, how you doing? <laughs> hey, man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about you? Praise God, man. Life's good. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody likes to talk about the meantime. And I wanted to stop by today and, and have us as a church talk about the meantime, because listen, here's the reality again that no one likes to talk about. We all hit periods in our lives when we're in the meantime. When we're waiting for the then and the when. And for some of us, the then and the when just seems to get pushed back longer and longer and longer. Think about the Bible. Remember Paul? Paul was knocked off the horse. Scales fell from his eyes. He literally heard the voice of Jesus Christ call him. We talked about calling last week. Call him into the ministry. Paul's in Arabia. Paul, Paul, don't you know Paul was ready to preach? Paul, the one who persecuted Christians and was destroying Christians and the church. Jesus calls him. He's ready to preach and he gets sent to Arabia. He was in the meantime... Think about Jesus. In the scriptures, we don't see anything from Jesus' life from the age of 12 to 30. The last time we see him, he's in the temple. Mesmerizing the, the leaders and the religious elites with his wisdom. Then the scriptures go quiet. From the age of 12 to 30. 
Have you ever thought about what was going on in his life at that point in time? I'll tell you, he was in the meantime. He was in the preparation time. He was in the trial time. He was in the time that God was doing his greatest work in his life, getting him ready for what he was going to do in his ministry. Think about last week. Again, we talked about it. Jesus was sent out into the wilderness. He was in the meantime. What do you do with the meantime? What determines how you come out of the meantime and how quickly you come out of it and you get to the other side? We heard the passages earlier. Jesus gets his disciples. He calls them in Mark chapter 1. Keeps calling them. Then in Mark chapter 4, interestingly enough, he sends them out across the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is only about 8 miles wide. Scholars tell us they only made it to about mile 3 or 4. I mean, they had just gotten about halfway across the Sea of Galilee and literally all hell broke loose. They were in the meantime, church. What do you do? And what you do, listen, determines whether or not you get to the other side. Remember last week I told you about the battles that you fight. Again, I didn't use the meantime language, but come on. This all ties into what we did last week. Listen, I told you last week that the battles we win tomorrow will be determined about how we're living today. And the battles that we are in today, don't you ever be mistaken about this. The battles that you're fighting and the battles that I'm fighting today will be won or lost based upon what we did yesterday. Meantime. It is impossible, if you're taking notes, and I haven't even mentioned the teaching notes, but, but at all of our campuses, tear out the teaching notes. If you're taking notes, you want to write this one down. It is impossible for you to get to the other side. Listen, church, alone. It is impossible to get to the other side alone. And even though all hell was breaking loose on the Sea of Galilee, don't you know the disciples were thankful that they were there with one another? They had community going down in the boat. Because the reality is, listen, if you're in the meantime, you will never, ever, ever get to the other side alone. And and again, here's the problem with our culture. We're embarrassed about the meantime. See, see, that's why we don't talk about it. That's why we, we wear masks. That's why we put smiles on and we act like everything is okay when in reality we know deep down for many of us on any given Sunday, it's not okay. It's just not okay. And what if we had a church, what if we had a church that was honest enough to say, you know what, when you're asked how you're doing, you say, you know, I'm not doing too good. The truth is I'm looking at naked women on the computer late at night. The truth is, I'm struggling in my work. The truth is, I'm in the meantime. And I'm mad as all get out. What if we were just honest with it? What if we were just honest with the fact that we said, you know what? I'm in the meantime and I'm hacked off that I can't get a job. Or I'm in the meantime and I hate my job. 
What if we did community with one another? And again, this isn't a message about community. This is a message about the meantime. But I just want to stop here for just a moment to let you know you'll never get to the other side alone. What if we were honest enough with others that said, you know what, people that we could trust, when we were asked about how we are doing, what if we said, you know what, I'm not doing too well and I don't even know if I'm going to make it through this marriage. What if we said, you know what, I'm mad at myself because I think I married the wrong person. What if we said, you know what, I hate this period of my life because I feel like I'm called to get married and now I've been waiting for my spouse for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I'm not doing good in the meantime. What if we were just that wrong, just that honest with one another? Like, like, summertime is coming, guys. Summertime's coming. I just want to warn you, warn you. Guys, summertime's coming, man. You're going to go to the lake. You're going to go to the pool, right? And you're going to want to take your shirt off. And guys, if you're anything like me, you know you know what it's like, guys. You, you got two types of guys at the pools and the lakes and the beaches. You got the guys who like, dude, I ain't taking my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've never been able to be that guy, but God bless you if you're that guy. But then you got other guys. Well, you actually have three types of guys. Actually, you got the guys who rip it off, baby. They got the six-pack and all, and they're like, that's right. That's right. <laughs> then you got the guys who they ain't taking the shirt off. Leave it on. But then you got the guys. <laughs> I might fall into this category. You take the shirt off, and what do you do when you're at the party, beloved? What do you... <sighs> you suck it up. You suck it up and you walk, hey, how you doing, man? Good to see you, man. And the party's good, man. The hot dogs and the hamburgers and the steaks and the drinks. And you're sucking it up. And you want to stay at the party because the party's fun. But you want to leave because you're tired of... Sometimes you hang an hour, two hours, three hours. And you get back to the minivan or the car, whatever, man. And you just... Why, why, why are we like that in the church? Why do we just kind of walk around sometimes? And I'm all good, man. Praise God. How you doing? <laughs> what do you do in the meantime? I find it interesting that if you go back to the text in Mark 6, 52, the Bible says that their hearts were hardened. Now, see, this is why it's so good that Jesus is Jesus and I'm not. Because I just want to let you know that if I'm out in the middle of the storm and your heart is hardened, I'm throwing your butt overboard. <laughs> right? And, and my heart gets hardened too. And if I was Jesus, I'd have thrown myself overboard. In Mark 6, 42, the Bible says their hearts were hardened. Who is this God? Who takes hard-hearted people through the storms and lands them on the other side? Who is this God whom the storms and the waves and the nature even obey? I've studied the text inside and out. 
in seminary, throughout my ministry teaching this passage, and again this week. I've studied the text up and down. I've racked my brain. I've looked at commentaries, and I can find only one thing, only one thing they did in the midst of the storm. They're in the boat. The storm is raging. It's going down. They're flipping out. Everything is breaking loose around them. And the one thing they didn't do was they never jumped ship. They never, ever jumped ship. I think I might have considered it. The Sea of Galilee, beloved, you can see the shoreline. It's not a big, it's, it's really the lake. We call it the sea because that's what the original language referred to it as. But the truth is, it's like a little lake. You can see the shoreline. They never, ever, ever jumped ship. And if we were just honest with ourselves, we would admit up in here this morning, even if you just admit it between yourself and God, there are times when we want to jump ship. There are times when we look at the parties going on around us. We're in the meantime. We see the burgers and the steaks and the food and the lights and the balloons and the drinks and the laughter. And we want to jump ship. Just last night, just last night, for those of you who live on the side, West Chapel Hill area, we had a, a, a horrible accident on the road, and a car ran into a telephone pole, knocked out the power all up and down our road. And so there we sat for hours on end with candlelight, trying to play pool in the dark. Not swimming pool, pool. Trying to, you ever tried that? Ate a supper, supper with candlelight. When we couldn't take it anymore, I said, guys, you want to go for a ride? They said, why, Dad? I said, so we can ride through Chapel Hill and see what it looks like to have power. <laughs> they said, yes. So we all jumped in the truck. We went for an hour ride. We rode up and down our street first and saw the dark misery. Then we're headed into the city and just, just looked at everybody with their power. People dining, eating nice food. So there they were. We were in the meantime. We stayed out as long as we could stay out. We went home. We thought maybe the power's back on. No, forget about it. The truth is, when you're in the meantime, as some of you are today, or maybe you're coming out of it, or maybe you're going into it, the truth is, there are times when you look out at the world, you look out at the culture, which is a highlight culture, like I said, and you see things going on, and it all looks good at the party. And you want to jump ship. And as I read this text, the one thing I see that they did not do, they did not jump ship. 
Do you remember when you started out in the faith? Remember when you started out in your marriage? Remember when you started out in your education? You remember when you, you started out in your job? Remember when every part inside of you was fully alive and you had all kinds of hope? The problem is that nobody ever told you the meantime is coming. And then it hits you and it hits me right upside the face. What do you do in the meantime? That's the question. What did they do? Here's what they did. They never, ever, ever jumped ship. Because here's the reality. I don't know about you, but here's the deal. I would rather be in the boat with all hell breaking loose. With Jesus. Than to step out of the boat without him. You just stay in the meantime. And you keep looking for the Christ of all creation who comes and dwells with us in the midst of the meantime. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred. Hope deferred. Makes the heart what, church? What? Some of you remember what it was like to have just boatloads of hope. And then you find yourself in the meantime. And hope starts to fade. And the Bible is just honest enough to say to you and to say to me, listen, hope deferred? Yes, 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 yes. It'll make your heart sick. What do you do? Remember Abraham? All the way back in the Old Testament. This is why in Genesis 15, when God said, hey, I am your great and exceeding reward. Remember that? The Bible says that God said to Abraham, I am your great and exceeding reward. And if you look at the text, go home and study it later tonight. Genesis 15, what you'll find is Moses is like, yeah, right, God. Moses, or Abraham, that is, has developed a, a leadership attitude. Yeah, right, God. When is when and when is then? Write this down. It might be in your notes. It might not. You don't want to miss this. Just because your dream is delayed, church, doesn't mean your dream is denied. Oh, oh. Whatever dream you're sitting here with today and whatever you think about when I say hope has evaporated and, and whenever you think about when I say, remember those times when you had all kinds of hope? Listen, just because you're in the meantime, just because your dream is delayed does not mean it is denied. Proverbs 13, 13, but when desire comes, it is the tree of life. But when desire comes, what? It is the what? It is the tree of life. And we hear that, we see that, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just honest enough to say to you, but, but, but tell me. It says, but when the desire comes, there it is again. When? 
When, God, when does the desire come? God kind of says when is when. And then is then. That is why I am God and you are not. Are you going to jump ship? Are you going to trust me in the midst of the storm? Galatians 6, been ministering to me this week. Let us not grow weary. Let us not grow weary in doing good. But in due season, we will reap a harvest. But there it is. Come on. I know, again, we say amen. We love those passages. Yes, yes, yes. And we should. I'm not knocking it. But it says in due season. When in the heck is due season? When? God says due season is um, due season. Some of this, guys, I know is the hardest stuff of the faith. That's why very few people will talk to you about it. This is, this is why so many people, listen, this is why so many people jump out of marriages. This is why so many people jump out of churches. Some people ride church waves. Let's ride that church. That's a, ooh, that's a good wave, honey. Psst, you hear about that wave going on at that church? Let's go over there and ride that wave for a while. But when that wave starts to fall, let's go back over here. Let's ride this one. This is why some people quit jobs all the time. Because the meantime is hard. The meantime is tough. The meantime will separate the wheat from the chaff. What do you do in the meantime? Another way of putting it is this. The one thing that they did do was they stood firm. What would it look like today for you? And oh God, what would it look like for me? To say with all hell breaking loose around me, I will stand. I will stand. You go read Ephesians chapter 6 later. The spiritual warfare chapter of the Bible. And, and the Bible talks about the helmet of salvation and the, the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. It starts giving all those images of what it means to stand up in the midst of the warfare. But what I love is Ephesians 6, 13, where the Bible says, lays out all those things. And then the Bible says, and after that, after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Stand. I'm 
convinced some of us are trying to do way too much in the meantime. If you're anything like me, you're an action-oriented person. You want to solve problems. You want to figure this out. You want to figure this out. And often what the scriptures say to us is, listen, you don't need to do anything. What you really need to do is just stand firm in who I am. Just stand firm in the midst of this particular storm that you're going through and I'm going through. And you watch me do my work. Hey, Dad! Are we there yet? Dad! When's my child coming home? When am I going to have that baby? When is this marriage ever going to get better? When am I going to get that job? When is my spouse going to get that job? When, God, when will I ever forgive him or her? When are we ever going to get back on focus around here, God? When is the enemy ever going to leave me alone? When, Dad, are we there yet? And dad, Abba, father says, when is when and then is then. Are you going to trust me in the midst of the storm? About four years ago, I was sitting on the couch watching ESPN with Caleb Timothy Kelly, one of my boys. And... and (laughs) Y'all hear me talk about Caleb a, a, a good bit because Caleb is worth talking about. <laughs> he's, he's cut from a different cloth, if you know what I mean. I mean, Caleb is, Caleb is, listen, up until the age of five, Caleb never, ever, 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 ever had a day or a time or a minute in which he wanted to go to sleep. The dude is full pedal to the metal, full throttle goes at life. I'm talking like a bull in a china shop. It's crazy, man. He's, he's got this intensity to him, his passion. He looks different from my other boys. He looks kind of different from my family. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> Never said that publicly before. Technicians, you might need to edit that one out. No, there's no doubt who he comes. I mean, Amy Lynn says hey, he's more like you than any of them. He's just, he's, 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 he's crazy. He never wants to go to sleep. He's just, he's just passionate, loves life, but would always weep and wail anytime we brought up going to bed. Never, ever, ever wanted to go to bed. So we're watching ESPN and, um, and because of that, by the way, he, 
I've let him stay up later than the other kids, which I shouldn't do. I don't highly recommend that. I've probably given in to him too much about that because he just likes to hang out. So we sit there, we're watching ESPN. Everybody else is in bed, man. Mom's in bed. Kids are in bed. Caleb and I, man, we're just buddying it out on ESPN. It's awesome. Um, but so one night we're watching the ESPN again. This was about four years ago and, and we're watching it and Caleb falls asleep in my arm. Just, he, he just, you know, just kind of tucked right in there. He's sitting on the couch and he falls asleep and I keep watching for a while, but then it's time for me to go to bed. So, so I cut it off and, and, and I reach down and I pick Caleb up. Let me, let me show you a picture of Caleb because he's a stout little fella. Here's a picture of Caleb. There he is right there overlooking the Grand Canyon this summer. But, you know, like he's nine now, man. I'm talking about like when he was like five years old. So I pick, I pick Caleb up and I walk him to his bed and I put him in his bed and I cover him up and I, I just laid my hands on him as I often do. Not, don't, not every night. Don't get the wrong idea. I'm not that good of a parent. But I, I, I put my hands on him and I prayed over him and then... Then I went to bed. The next morning, Caleb got up. He's, he's funny when he gets up too because he also thrashes in his sleep. He wrestles in his sleep. He talks in his sleep. Nobody wants to sleep with Caleb. When we travel, nobody wants to sleep with Caleb. The, you think he's passionate about life. He's passionate and intense about sleeping. Wrestles his pillow and his blankets and yells and talks. I'm, I'm not kidding. And so is, the funny thing is seeing Caleb every morning because he comes down and he literally looks like he's been wrestling all night long. Other kids come down, their hair is just, they've had peaceful sleeps. Caleb comes down, so he, he comes down the steps the, the next morning and he's got his bushy head Caleb going on. And he hates the morning time. So he, he always stumbles to the kitchen table and he normally just goes... And he's sitting there like that. And, and, and this morning was different, though, because after about a minute or so, nobody, nobody talks to Caleb. You say good morning to him, but that's it. Don't mess with Caleb until he gets some food up in his belly. So he's sitting here like this. And after about a minute or so, he goes, Hey, Dad! Dad! Well, what happened last night? Because Dad... I remember watching ESPN with you. And then I, I woke up and I was in bed this morning. How did that happen? I said, Caleb, you fell asleep, man. You fell asleep. And when you were asleep, when you were too tired to carry yourself... I reached down and I picked you up, Caleb, and I, I walked you to your bed. And that's where you woke up. And he goes, oh. <laughs> and later on that day, God spoke to my heart. God said, the truth is, Benji, there will be times in your life when you're too tired and you're too weary and you're too beaten up and you're too banged up and you're just too exhausted to carry yourself. And it is in those times, in the midst 
of the storm. It is in those times, what I'm calling today for you, the meantime. It is in those times that your God and my God, if we will stand firm, he will reach down and pick up his son or daughter. And he'll carry us to the other side. The question becomes, will we stand? Will we trust him to come when we can't do that for ourselves? Father, we go. We love you. As hard as it is, God, we thank you for the meantime. As challenging as it is, God, we, I declare that this church will not jump ship. That God, even though the waves are crashing and the storm is wild, the winds are ferocious. That we will trust that you will come to us in the midst of the storm. And God, even when it appears that you don't care, like we see in Mark chapter 4, and you're sleeping in the bow of the boat... We will trust that come Mark chapter 6, Father, in the meantime, you will meet us in the midst of the storm. And with the declaration of your voice, you will tell the storms to cease. The winds will be stilled. And even if we can't carry ourselves, you will come and swoop up your children. Carry your church. To the other side. So God. I will stand. And I'm wondering here today. And at all of our campuses. Coffee house. Garner. Samford. Maybe those of you watching this in your home. I'm wondering who would declare before Almighty God today, me too, Pastor. I'll stand. And if that's you, with all heads bowed, eyes closed, just stand right where you are. Just stand. Don't feel like you have to. Don't feel like you have to. This is not group thinking. Father, thank you for those who are standing. Thank you for those who are not standing. God, maybe the meantime is so stinking hard that some of us don't even know in this moment whether we can stand. Beloved, I know exactly where you are.
Father, do that which we can't do for ourselves. We will stand. We will stand, we will stand, we will stand. In nothing less than the strength and the power and the might of Jesus Christ, we will stand. And we will praise you in advance for what you are going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, I'm going to turn it over to our worship leaders and campus pastors at our various campuses. They'll take us right into the very same song that we are doing here. A song that is perfect for the moment. And even if you're still seated, again, we're so glad you're here. But the Spirit takes over and you find the strength to stand in the midst of this song. Let's stand and sing a song appropriately called, I'll Stand. Love you guys at the campuses. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. And if you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org. And our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. God bless and have a great week.